Welcome back to the 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter, joined as always by 444 Senior Editor John Paulson. How you doing, John? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you doing today? Doing good. So the Packers and Falcons both won. I feel like those two teams haven't won consecutively for, for a while now. So this is this is kind of a good day for 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. Yeah, it's fantastic. We should uh, bottle this and uh, sell it to ourselves, I guess. <laughs> there you go. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers in a second and, and his injury situation. Tell us first about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, this is a band that I really like out of uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, the Sheepdogs. We've uh, we've featured their music uh, before on the podcast, and uh, this track is called "I Don't Know." It's from their uh, twenty thousand or two thousand eleven album, uh, Five Easy Pieces. Um, you should also definitely check out uh, the song uh, "Feeling Good," which was the track that we featured uh, a while back on the, on the pod. Well, I just mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Now he told Aaron Andrews after the game last night against the Seahawks that he injured his calf in the first quarter of that blowout victory against Seattle. He was already dealing with a hamstring injury, John. So how does this impact Rodgers' fantasy outlook for Week 15? Yeah, he was kind of uh, gimping around, uh, hopping, hop along Cassidy there on the on the on the leg as he was trying to get up to the huddle. Uh, he, he obviously played really well with the three touchdowns, and he was pretty sharp the whole day. Uh, this this really affects him uh fantasy wise only in that he he's not able to move around by time as well uh maybe he, it makes him get the ball a little bit faster uh perhaps makes the the offense a little bit more efficient or more quick hitting um but you're not you're not going to get the rushing yards uh or probably not the rushing touchdown unless uh he's able to pull it together for for a sneak uh I, yeah obviously you want him to be fully mobile um but he's also proven that he can uh you know play with this calf injury before as he did before and play pretty well. Rodgers isn't the only quarterback in the NFC North that's dealing with an injury. Matt Stafford had, Stafford had a rough day against the Bears. He threw for 223 yards, had a touchdown, also threw two picks on 21 of 35 passing. Plus, he, re- he reportedly tore ligaments in his middle finger on his throwing hand. So same question as Rodgers. How does this injury impact your QB rankings when it comes to Stafford? Well, we're going to have to see how well he's doing in, in practice and if the uh, if we get any reporters uh, tweeting about uh, you know, his inability to make the throws or if, if he's limited in any way, uh, Jim Caldwell is not really forthcoming when it comes to injury information. So, you know, if we're, if we're holding our breath, uh, waiting for him to uh, tell us what's going on with Stafford, then I think we'll probably pass out and die. Uh, <laughs> but so you just sort of have to try to read the tea leaves, see if he's limited, see if he's taking full snaps. Um, if he's going to start, then I, I think he'll be his usual self. But uh, uh, obviously, the coming off of a bad game against the Bears isn't uh, all that encouraging. While we're talking about injured quarterbacks, let's, t- let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. It looked after watching that game yesterday against the Arizona Cardinals, a game in which the Dolphins won to keep their, their playoff hopes alive, that Ryan Tannehill was going to be done with the done for the season. It looked like he tore his ACL. But the, the uh, reports out of Miami today – that he just sprained his ACL and he sprained his MCL. So there's some optimism now that Tannehill could return for the postseason from a fantasy perspective. How does Matt Moore's inclusion now in Miami's offense impact Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker? Well, uh, Matt Moore, if you look at his uh, career his career numbers, 59% completion percentage. Uh, he's a 13-12 and record as a starter. 
Uh, he threw uh, 33 touchdowns against 28 interceptions over his career. He's been in the league since 2007. Uh, so he's just kind of, uh, you know, mediocre, uh, seven yards per, uh, attempt. Um, the upside here is that Adam Gase has, has done good work with quarterbacks before. He was doing, uh, doing, doing good work with Brian Tannehill, uh, this year. Uh, they'll have him, uh, have Matt Moore ready to go. Um, so I, I think it'll be a little bit of a downgrade because uh, Ryan Tannehill was, was, uh, throwing the ball well in terms of his uh, yards per attempt. Uh, probably going to downgrade that a little bit, uh, as I do the team projections, uh, with, with, uh, more under center. Uh, but I think overall it's not, he's one of the better backups, I think, in terms of being able to have confidence that he's going to at least be able to deliver the ball, uh, on a regular and accurate basis. So John, uh, check me out here. Let, yesterday I was in the first round of the playoffs in one of my leagues. I had Drew Brees, who got me less than five points. Mm-hmm. I had Devontae Freeman, who had 3.8 points, mm-hmm. and I had Julio Jones uh, not starting, and I still won. Can you believe that? Nice. Doug Baldwin, Devontae Adams, and Taylor Gabriel absolutely went off. We'll get to Gabriel in a second here, but I bring that up because Tevin Coleman outtouched Devontae Freeman 10-8. to 8. He also outgained his backfield partner by 37 yards. So any concerns that Coleman could be overtaking Freeman, or was this just a game flow situation with the Falcons running hot against the Rams yesterday. Yeah, I think with Julio out, they probably um, had to shift things, shift gears a little bit, but that doesn't really explain why uh, Coleman's out touching Freeman after, you know, Freeman has pretty much been getting 18 touches per game with Coleman in the lineup. Uh, so you, Freeman wasn't really running the ball very well. Uh, six carries for six yards. That's not very good at all. Uh well, Coleman, you know, eight for 36, uh, significantly better. He's at least able to, to get that magical four, four yards, uh, get over that four yards uh, per carry mark. And then he's also uh, a really good threat in the passing game and, uh, scored touchdowns in both phases of the game. Um, I, I would say that this is looking like more of a split. Uh, I don't think we're as much confidence heading into the last two weeks of the year that Freeman's going to get to his, uh, 18 touches. Per game, or is you know even getting get to get to fifteen, he, he was at eight yesterday. So um, we're probably going to have these guys ranked uh, significantly closer uh, than they were uh, the last few weeks. I mentioned Gabriel. He rewarded fantasy owners that rolled the dice on him with Julio Jones dealing with that turf toe injury. We we talked about it last Friday. I didn't I didn't think that Julio Jones was going to play. I wasn't going to start him. I picked up Gabriel and I went with him over a couple other options. The Falcons showed yesterday they could still win with without Jones and Sanu, albeit against lesser competition. Now they play lesser competition against the 49ers on Sunday. So let's say the Falcons decide to hold out Jones and Sanu again. Is Taylor Gabriel a wide receiver three in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, he'll probably be a wide receiver too if both of those players are out. Uh, I think what will probably happen is Jones will play since he was fairly close to playing uh, this week and uh, we'll probably see Jones and then Gabriel with, with Sanu uh, dealing with that groin injury. It didn't seem like he was very close to playing uh, this last week. So you're looking at Gabriel as the second receiver. He's not a high target guy. He played 78% of the snaps yesterday, uh, but still only saw six targets. Uh, he hasn't seen more than six targets all year, uh, but he's able to do a lot with them. He's highly efficient with what he's got, the three for 82 and a touchdown on six targets. Uh, uh, week 14, four for 75 uh, and two touchdowns on five targets, plus a 27-yard run against the, the Cardinals in week 12. 
And then, of course, he's got uh, three for 68 and a touchdown against the Packers in Week 8 and one for 76 and a touchdown against the, the Eagles in Week 10. So um, he, there is some risk with him. Um, but, you know, for a guy who is not a high-target guy, he's, his minimum uh, yardage in the last six games is 44 yards. He offered five for 44 against the Chiefs in Week 13. Uh, that's not a bad floor uh, given given his considerable upside. And you know they're going to take shots with him, whether Julio Jones is in the in the starting rotation or not, or starting lineup. They did they did it yesterday. I was kind of getting nervous. It looked like they were Matt Ryan was targeting Justin Hardy more, and he was targeting um, Aldrick Robinson more. And then all of a sudden, Taylor Gabriel gets behind the Rams off uh, Rams defense, and he scores a big one. So he's a big play threat, and you know that they'll take a couple of shots to him downfield. One more wide receiver that I want to ask you about, John, before we move on to some waiver wire options for Week 15. That's Alshon Jeffrey. His four-game suspension is over with, and he could play against the Packers on Sunday. Assuming owners hung on to him or he's available on the waiver wire, is Jeffrey a wide receiver two option for Week 15? Also, how does this impact other Chicago wide receivers, namely Cameron Meredith, who had a, a very good game against the Lions yesterday? He, he's a, He's on... Uh, the same page with Matt Barkley, one of Barkley's favorite wide receivers. Meredith had six receptions for 72 yards in a score yesterday. Yeah, I don't know uh, if Jeffrey's going to be um, worthy of uh, starting in, in, in the playoff semifinal game in this situation. Uh, it's it's pretty dicey. Uh, he doesn't have a, a history with Matt Barkley, really, that we can lean on in terms of you know, what sort of targets he'll get. He has averaged eight targets per game. Um, this year, uh, I, th- yeah, I think he comes back and plays, you know, his normal amount of snaps. I mean, injury is not the reason he's been sitting out. Uh, so he should be fully healthy and ready to go. Uh, the matchup is, uh, on paper good, uh, but the Packer defense, uh, looked a lot better, uh, yesterday and recent weeks. Um, significantly better against the, the Seahawks, uh, yesterday. It looked like it was a tip, tip drill, tip ball drill or batted ball drill. Uh, with all those, uh, interceptions that, uh, Russell Wilson ended up throwing or getting charged to Russell Wilson anyway. Um, so I don't know that this is necessarily the, uh, a green matchup as it, as it shows up on our, uh, wide receiver or, uh, yeah, wide receiver adjusted fancy points allowed, uh, metric, but, um, Jeffrey should come back and see, uh, the number one, you know, top targets for his team. The question is, if Marcus Wilson's also back, Marcus Wilson showed a really nice rapport with Matt Barkley. Uh, Cameron Meredith showed a nice rapport with Matt Barkley yesterday against the, the Lions. Uh, it's just not clear who Barkley's going to target in the passing game. It's not like um, Jeffrey is maybe the stud receiver like Des Bryant would, where he would demand those targets. Uh, he might end up only seeing five or six, and that would uh, put uh, fantasy owners in a tough spot. Let's talk about some waiver wire options for week 14. Trevor Simeon, uh, week 15, excuse me. Trevor Simeon nearly led the Broncos to a come from behind victory against the Titans yesterday. Uh, looks like he had great rapport with Demarius Thomas, who I believe had 10 catches. And you like Simeon potentially with, with the, uh, matchup coming up on Sunday. Yeah, they have the Patriots. Um, so you're looking at a, uh, a game where if, if the Patriots jump out to a lead, that they're throwing the ball a lot. But the, the, the problem with the, Bron- the Broncos offense right now is they just can't run the ball very well. And that's why they're throwing it more, uh, than maybe Gary Kubiak would like. Uh, 51 pass attempts against Tennessee yesterday, 334 yards, a touchdown. Um, in his last, uh, four games, Simeon has averaged thir- 311 uh, yards and two touchdowns per game. Um, so while the Patriots are a little bit more difficult of a, pa- of a matchup than the, than the Titans, it's still pretty favorable. 
And I think you could run him out there. Given that, given that four game span, uh, of, of quality play and quality numbers, I think you could, uh, trust him here if you're streaming the quarterback position. Simeon just got done playing the Titans. Alex Smith is going to play the Titans on Sunday. I would think that Alex Smith and Chiefs offense would score more than 10 points. You like Alex Smith as another quarterback option this week. Yeah, he's only averaging, I mean, he's, his numbers aren't as good as Simeon's in the last uh, four games, 254 yards and a touchdown. He does have one rushing touchdown. He's always a threat to, to run one in. Um, so he's not uh, maybe as uh, exciting or uh, of a play as Simeon. I never really thought I'd say that Trevor Simeon is an exciting play, but there I just said it. Uh, but Alex Smith is, should be, you know, offer you the 15 to 17 fancy points that you're looking for out of the quarterback position if you're streaming the position. Uh, the Titans are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, they've been giving up a, a boatload, uh, 304 yards and two touchdowns uh, to Simeon, Matt Barkley, and Andrew Luck in the last three games. Uh, so the, the matchup doesn't get any better. Matt Forte admitted following the Jets come from behind victory against the 49ers on Sunday that heard a, he heard, uh, quote, a cracking and popping in his knee. That doesn't sound good. Uh, if he can't play in week 15, is below Powell a legitimate RB2 option? Yeah, I mean, he's hit 34 touches against the, the 49ers, and uh, you're not going to get 179 total yards out of him uh, and two touchdowns against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are ninth in just fancy points allowed to running backs, but, you know, if, if, if Forte is out, then I will have Powell ranked probably in the teens, uh, maybe around 20, uh, maybe 16 to 20 range. Uh, I won't know until I run my numbers, but, uh, the Dolphins are ninth in just fancy points allowed to running backs. They've been playing pretty good defense, uh, lately, but the game is in, uh, New York. And if, if Forte is out, you, you're expecting a big workload for, uh, for Powell and he's proven that he can handle it. Kenneth Farrell, that's a name that fantasy owners are going to want to keep an eye on this week because Melvin Gordon is dealing with a knee sprain in addition to his hip sprain that was suffered yesterday. He was carted off the field in Charlotte and the Chargers lost to the Panthers. Farrell, John, is the backup there, and he's worth talking about when you you discuss waiver wire options. Yeah, 22 touches against Carolina uh, for 78 yards. Uh, He had six catches as well, so he basically just took over – Melvin Gordon's role once Gordon went out, uh, even had the yards per carry 3.44 to show for it. Uh, he ended up playing 85% of the snaps. So, um, this, this matchup though is going to be significantly better than the Carolina matchup against Oakland. They've the 30th and just a fancy points allowed to running backs. Uh, they're allowing high, high yards per carry, uh, the games in San Diego. So, um, you know, the, the, the game scripts should be favorable, uh, and allow Farrah to stay involved if, if Gordon can't play. You talked about Robbie Anderson on Friday. You listed him among your sneaky starts options, and boy, he paid off. He caught six of 11 targets for 99 yards, and the Jets win over the 49ers. He looks like he has a great rapport with Bryce Petty, the quarterback now for the Jets. Is he safe, is he safe to fire up again as a wide receiver three and a waiver wire option? I mean, safe is probably overstating it, but at this point, <laughs> if you could find a, if you could find a player on the waiver wire that's gotten 22 targets in the last two weeks from Bryce Petty, um, you, I guess I should just leave the Bryce Petty thing out. That's probably not supporting my statement. Uh, he had, tw- he had 12, he had 12 targets in week 13, but 11 of them were for Petty. He had 11 more targets last week against, uh, the, the 49ers, six for 99, um, four for 61 and a touchdown against Indianapolis, of course, in week, in week 13. He also ran, uh, rushed twice for 12 yards against the 49ers. The 49ers are obviously 
a great matchup for receivers at 32 adjusted fancy points allowed to receivers. Uh, the Dolphins are 18th in that metric, so I'm not expecting necessarily uh, a hundred yard day or anything. But uh, you know, if he sees seven to ten uh, targets, he should be able to to, to produce. Hey, lo and behold, uh, Jermaine Gresham cracks the yeah. podcast again. He's a, he's a waiver wire option after catching five of seven targets for 45 yards against the Dolphins yesterday. Yeah, they have the the Saints. The Saints are uh, 26 and just the fancy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, he has five catches in three straight games. Uh, he does have two touchdowns in his last four, uh, and he's involved. Uh, they're 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 struggling there uh, after Larry Fitzgerald. They got some JJ Nelson uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, John Brown's dealing with a sickle cell thing, and he's not playing uh, his usual amount of snaps. So they're kind of struggling for for pass catchers there. And he has seen uh, in consecutive weeks 10, 6, and 7 uh, targets per game, uh, playing a heavy amount of snaps. And, you know, this should be a high-scoring game against the, the Saints. And uh, if, if you know, Carson Palmer throws two or three touchdowns, uh, Gresham may end up with one. I'm really looking forward to the Monday night football matchup tonight, John, between the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. Uh, the Sunday night football game wound up being competitive and close in the in the end there between the Cowboys and Giants. I think this one's going to be competitive and close as well at Gillette Stadium. Any last second injury news, waiver wire options for fantasy owners that you're looking at tonight? Well, I think everybody's uh, who's supposed to play is going to play. Um, I personally need 20 points. I need a, a miracle out of LeGarrette Blunt uh, to move on into the semis, uh, one of my leagues. Um He's got a tough matchup with uh, the Ravens, but uh, maybe he finds the end zone a couple times. I'm not expecting a big game out of him. Uh, Deion Lewis should get a, a bit more work uh, since the, the, the Patriots in, in the past have really uh, shied away from running the ball against uh, teams with great rush defenses. They tend to throw it a lot more. Uh, Brady uh, struggles a bit when Gronk's not in the lineup in, in terms of his fantasy numbers. I think he's still be good enough and to post a nice fantasy line tonight. Not expecting a lot out of Julian Edelman. Uh, Martellus Bennett just doesn't seem 100% healthy, and that's helping Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan with some extra targets there. And then on the Ravens side of the ball, um, you know, Terrence West, um, we don't really know uh, what sort of workload split he'll see with Kenneth Dixon. And then you got Mike Wallace and Steve Smith in the passing game. And I don't think we'll see two more touchdowns out of Dennis Pitta. Uh, but uh, that was nice to see last week that he finally got targeted in the end zone. It should be a, it should be a compelling game given the, the the two teams and the two quarterbacks. And, you know, everybody knows that Joe Flacco's elite, but is Tom, Tom Brady elite? That's the, that's the question <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. You know, I was looking at his yards per attempt average and it has gone, it has gone significantly down without Rob Gronkowski. And, and that, yeah. that's obvious, but they, they just figure out ways to win. I think Baltimore matches up really well against New England. We've seen this in the past. I think the Ravens are like three and three against the Patriots over the net, over the last X amount of years. And three and three might not sound great, but how many other teams can boast that they're three and three against the Patriots with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, uh, you know, r- running the show there since, 2001 or whatever it's been. I, I I must be missing something. I mean, with the, the with the point spread set at six and a half, I, I love the Ravens here, John. I I was able to. I was looking at my Yahoo pool. Um, I think the Ravens are, are a seven point underdog. I I love them here in a game. I think they could win outright. Uh, my guy has uh, the score 27 20 New England, so right on the the, the line there, and uh, pretty close to the over under. So he doesn't have a take on this one at all. 
How did he do yesterday? Bounce back? Uh, let's see here. I see he had Oakland, Buffalo, Carolina, Cincy. So that's two and two. Green Bay, three and two. Arizona, three and three. Philly, New Orleans. So we had a I had another another loss. He's going to yeah, bounce the, back though. The Oakland wasn't uh, one we gave out because uh, it was too oh, okay. late. But so I, I don't count that one. But I'm sure he does. Uh, but yeah, it looked like it was another kind of break even. I got to look at the actual scores to, to see what his record was. But um, uh, his, for Chen- his play of the week, his play of the week was the Carolina Panthers, though. So they, he won that one. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> that was it was an easy one. It cashed pretty much at halftime. So yeah. Um, so I'll take the uh, the Baltimore Ravens as a, an All initial. Right. So before we sign off, uh, did you see the Jeff Fisher news, John? I did. I saw the Jeff Fisher news. I've, I've seen gifts all over uh, Twitter of Jeff Fisher doing different things um, uh, as sort of an homage, late round quarterback. Uh, if you look up his uh, Twitter, he did a nice, um, a nice homage with about ten gifts uh, <laughs> to uh, a tribute, a tribute, if you will, to Jeff Fisher. Do you think he gets another job as a head coach? I don't know. I think he's. I think he's done. You know, I had an opportunity to not necessarily work one on one with Jeff Fisher. Although we had the broadcasting rights on one on one ESPN, the radio station that that I work for, I do middays uh, with Chris Duncan, who's a f- uh, former World Series champion with the Cardinals, and I, I've done I've done shows, coaches shows with Fisher before. I, you know, Fisher Fisher's a nice guy. I just think that he checked out. I think he checked out a long time ago, and. You know, he got he got the job, and I think he he turned around the uh, just a horrible Rams team for the first two years. But he just never made adjustments with his offense. It was like he was trying to run the same 1990s version of of the uh, the, the NFL offense, where we're going to go ground and pound. And you know, the CBA really put put a um, a damper on how physical you can be. So he wants to be this physical team that doesn't throw the ball that much and it just doesn't work in today's NFL and the guy just couldn't cultivate offensive talent. You look at his draft picks, it's it's Tavon Austin who they never figure out how to use. Greg Robinson, the offensive tackle, they took him over Jake Matthews who's who's off to a great uh he's off to a great career thus far in Atlanta. Stedman Bailey, Isaiah Peed, Brian Quick, the, the 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 list goes on with these offensive players. Now he was able to to draft defensive players but you look at John, the the Janoris Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. They couldn't wait to get out of out of uh, out of Jeff Fisher's under from under Jeff Fisher's thumb to sign free agent deals elsewhere. He he cut James Leonidas. He released Chris Long. I just think that's one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the NFL, and that's really saying something when the Browns are are working on an zero sixteen season right now. You know, so just. Kind of an unbelievable uh, deal there, and I'm surprised it's taken this long for the Rams to finally fire him. But the most ironic thing is that he's now tied with Dan Reeves for the mm-hmm. most losses in NFL history, and you asked me whether or not he'll get another job. I don't think so, so it looks like he's not going to break that record for, for losing his head coach in, in league history. Well, it's kind of fitting that he is tied for that. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, not even holding the record on his own uh, either, so... It, sure. it it was it got kind of comical. He's one of the I think it's the mustache that really plays <laughs> into plays into uh, why it's such high comedy to his seven. This is some seven and nine bullshit. Um, <laughs> I mean that 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 rant on the hard knocks was fantastic because he went seven. I don't want to go seven and nine. I don't want to go eight and eight. I don't want to go nine right. and seven or ten and six. Like I go, I he, doesn't wanna, he doesn't want to go ten and six. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't worry. You won't come close to ten and six. You only got three or four wins, whatever, it, whatever it is. You know. And the other thing too, and and I'll 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 be quick on this. I talk about the off the on field stuff. How about the off field stuff? You know, he the Eric Dickerson mess was comical to say the least. He he gets involved with that, and I know he leaked the the contract extension a couple couple weeks ago to. Uh, NFL Network because it was Ian Rappaport's report and Jeff Fisher and Mike Silver of NFL Network they're close because Silver's done a lot of pieces on Fisher and he's had access to their drafts in in the past and I think Fisher leaked that that deal out to uh, Mike Silver and Silver gave it to Rappaport because they you know they didn't want to make it seem like it, it was Fisher, but just I mean just a mess of a situation. You you would expect to see this stuff in kind of a movie or some kind of hokey TV show about 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 football teams, uh, but but unfortunately for Rams fans, it's real life. Now, is there somebody out on the, on the street that you'd like to see them hire? I'm sure I'm sure the you know, LA job is a high profile. Uh, yeah. gig and you have a pretty good running back there and I know they don't have a ton of maybe a ton of offensive talent I guess but the defense has got some talent there what do you do who do you who would you like to see coach that team you know they keep they keep bringing up I think LA keeps bringing up Jim Harbaugh here's the problem with that job you gave away two drafts to get to to get Jared Goff and you don't really know what Jared Goff is so why would Jim Harbaugh or somebody that is a significant name? Why would they take that gig, knowing they don't have, they don't know what they have at quarterback? They're down two drafts now, so they can't really rebuild quickly. I think that's going to be a mess of a situation. You're probably going to see a coordinator. Kyle Shanahan makes more sense than than maybe a Jim Harbaugh. You know, you get a young coach that is that is chomping at the bit to be a head coach. That makes more sense. You know, he's a little bit maybe maybe somebody that's a little bit more naive to the situation. Young guy takes over. He can't wait to get to get a coaching gig, and and he's got the bravado, thinking that he can kind of take over a, a sinking ship. But I just can't see Jim Harbaugh or somebody significant taking that job. But well, we'll they're going to they're going to want to take they're going to want to hire somebody that's high profile. I think since it's L.A. and and all yeah. that. But what what year in what year do they have their first winning season? Their next winning season. Oh, I think they're I think they're probably four to five years away, and that's assuming everything starts to go well. You know, that's assuming Jared Goff works out because if he doesn't work out, and boy, he he look he, outside of one half of football in New Orleans, he looks rough. Uh, the offensive line is a disaster. The defense has been good in the past, but you're missing some significant pieces now. So. I, yeah, I would say four to five years at the earliest, and that's assuming Stan Kroenke knows what you know. Hire somebody competent, and I've got zero faith faith in Stan Kroenke doing anything uh, productive either. So, all right, so gotta 20, be a long, yeah, long road. Twenty twenty two, we got Rams fans can look forward to the winning season per Anthony. <laughs> Good luck. With send that, send all email to him uh, to his address, please. <laughs> uh, that's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. On Friday, uh, I won't be. I won't be on the podcast. It's it's going to be Christopher Harris, right? Yes, we're going to have Chris Harris on. You had a conflict, so uh, he and I – well, actually, he had a conflict uh, with the time that we usually record. So uh, we're just going to dump Anthony for one week, and then uh, we'll bring him back uh, on Monday. Uh, yeah, it'll be Christopher Harris and I, so I'll, you'll get to get to hear me host the podcast, which is always an adventure. 
Nice. I, I, really, I, like I really don't. I, I don't uh, appreciate you until you're gone, Anthony. When I have to sit there <laughs> and, and try to try to host the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll do just fine. And and uh, you and Chris always sound great together. And you always you always have outstanding content. So yeah, look forward to that. And just a, a sneak preview. Uh, we we didn't get to AJ Green today. Maybe John will have some thoughts on AJ Green potentially returning to practice this week. And maybe fantasy owners can get uh, a number uh, a legit wide receiver one back in back in the fold here for the playoffs. Anyways, Friday, you'll hear John and you'll hear Christopher Harris. And next Monday, I'll be back. So please tune back in to the 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. 